So settling in this meditation session. So important to have a reference point, place, so an occasion where we step out of circumstances, not to dismiss circumstances, but place of rest, rest and replenishment. So the jitter is well fortified, nourished, fed on the right kind of food. So the, the kinds of food that don't go very far, material food, uh, sense consciousness, mental willpower, drive, urgencies, things we've got to do, uh, circumstantial contact, this, that, this, that, this, that, jumping in and drawing energy out of you when you're invaded by much contact. And this is certainly a powerful um, influence on urban life. We are stung a thousand times by contact impressions. <laughs> It's a fast-moving experience. And these all seemingly stimulate, but actually draw energy out. So that one is stimulating, but also depleted. And encouraged to use energy, to be urgent, progressive, get things done, accomplish something, get from here to there. These all deplete the jitta, and they feed it the kind of food that reduces one's energy and wears down one's restraint and mindfulness and clear comprehension and gives a good room for the hindrances to grow. So stepping out of finding an occasion to withdraw from circumstance. And if anything that's a major practice on these online retreats is there you are you're sitting at home with your circumstantial world around you, <laughs> beckoning this to be cleaned, this to be fixed, this to be mended, this remind you of that. You could switch this on and you know, that, that sense of the familiarity of it all. Mm. And one becomes located in a place. Being located in a place is one of the forms of becoming one becomes something that's shaped by the place, the room, the house, the city, the society, the nation that you seem to be in. Um, so that's, that's the setup. We become in that. We form within that. We're referring to those reference points. Uh, and the chitter is then constantly referring to reference points that have this beguiling sense of familiarity, which has its comfort, but in the familiarity also has the negative effect in we get drawn into circumstance and we lose touch with something more absolute, transcendent, world transcending, transcends place. Uh, also transcends time, which is the other powerful structure that we live within, that is saturated with becoming. I want to go here. What will I be like in a month's time? Can I plan the future? And when it gets difficult, oh, maybe if I, if I can get out of this, you know, I can get out of this situation to the next situation and the next. And when the 
chitta is under pressure, it jumps off into place, get me out of here, I'm going to go out somewhere else, it jumps into time, uh, hurry up and get this over with, on to the next thing, these are both the, the panic, the ambush, chitra is then ambushed by sangsaric patterns, and it runs into that ambush, and we're on the run, we're in the sangsaric drive, time, place, shifting, moving on, and we can sense this even if we're sitting still, particularly the pressure of time. How can I make my mind into something other than this? Quickly, effectively, get me out of this situation, this mental, psychological, emotional state, into something better than this, something other than this. Hurry up, work harder at it. And the, the efforts of the contracted self to find a way out of being a contracted self, <laughs> which is logically impossible. And so jitta doesn't really move in terms of space or time. Jitta moves, simply speaking, in terms of contracted or uncontracted. That is feeling bound, compacted, driven, yeah, closed, isolated, uh, seeking a future. All these are symptoms of the contracted state. The uncontracted state, yeah, no time, mm, no place. Place is called here. Time is called now. It's got no measure to it. It's not three moments of now. It's now is it, now is a territory. It's not really a. It's a territory where the jitter is uncontracted. There's none of that pressure to become. And this is a very significant shift from the uh, becoming experience, becoming situation, becoming scenario, to the non-becoming. It's something to bear in mind because the messages of the becoming state, of the contracted state, are extremely uh, tenacious and uh, you know, they, they carry with them these um, deeply embedded patterns of urgency and um, you know, frustration at not getting anywhere and how long do I have to do this to get somewhere and so when we really distill all that experience down you come to the noble truth dukkha and how is dukkha related to? And so we have to almost distill the messages of the contracted state, the messages of the I am, the messages of becoming, to the sense of stress. And then the relationship. Now at that place, why we contemplate and prune 
because at that place you can have a very simple single-minded response you're not dealing with all the details it's rather like a tree with many leaves on it you could actually you could take all the leaves off one at a time or you could cut the tree down you're cutting the tree of ignorance Now, it's important to why we are studying the nature of mind is to at least get the notion, the idea mind is not the circumstances mind is not the conditions these are, these are the wrappings around the mind, around jitta jitta is essentially formless has no fixed form, it can adopt forms, it can be compacted into very dense forms. It's almost like a plasma. You, know, you can compact it, or like a gel, you can compact it to make something very firm, or you can, if you uncompact it, it begins to expand and become something like a radiant energy. So the, when we understand if jitta has any medium at all, it's an energetic medium. And if that energetic medium can be extremely condensed to the point to which it feels very solid, like matter, or it could be extremely subtle and refined, where it becomes something like, like a vapor or radiance. And what is the release into that, that radiance is touching into any signs, perceptions, uh, signals that indicate opening. Jitta is exceptionally, uh, it learns, it picks up messages, that's its nature too. It picks up many crazy messages, but it also picks up skillful messages. So we maybe plant gently the skillful message you know, this is just circumstance you know, you arose before this the jitta arose before this circumstance this circumstance will pass um, okay it's a struggle now in fact when we are cultivating it's often a struggle you know because you're meeting a lot of these uh, difficult areas in order to release them. It's a struggle now, but my intention and my aspiration is clear to persevere, to resolve, to be resolute with this. Ah, oh, yes. So you, you go back to the quality of intention, the energy of intention, the energy of aspiration, and you pick that up. Oh, yeah, that is beautiful. Whatever the circumstances, I persevere. There is resilience, there is faith, there is persistence. You touch into these um, enlightening indriyas, these supportive faculties, faith, energy, sati, one is mindful. One bears in mind the meaning of the teachings, holds them in mind. Sati is defined as one bears in mind the meanings of things said long ago. 
This is one of the definitions of sati. So don't get mesmerized by circumstances. If you're sick, you're tired, you're overworked, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind the meaning of the teachings said long ago. Dwell in that. This will pass. You can rise out of this. But it won't pass if you keep struggling with it, embedding yourself in it, getting fascinated by it, creating a self out of it. Then you lock yourself into samsara. Openness can be then, through reflection such as that, and what my suggestion is that um, when uh, a dhamma becomes meaningful, really meaningful for you, it's not just intellectually approved of, you feel something in your body. You may not even recognise it as your body, but you feel some sort of shift of energy. You light, you light up, you something, oh, you get it, and there's a shift. And that is actually an embodied resonance so we return to that, that embodied uplift, return to it. Because another quality of jitta is whatever it lingers on and makes much of, that becomes its abiding place. It actually has no abiding place in an absolute sense, but you can give it one. When it's abiding in sangsara, you, you try to give it another place to go. <laughs> Yeah, when it's abiding in despair, <laughs> stuck in that, they will look, here's the aspiration, remember that? Here's, the, here's the, the gestures of goodwill you've received, remember that? Here are the good deeds you've done, remember that? Touch it lightly, touch it again till you get the, yes, yes, I have, there has been, you know, lifting out. This embodied reference is, is the process of jhana. It means embodying uh, a dhamma, embodying a teaching, absorbing it, process of jhana, to absorb the meaning, the essence of a teaching at an embodied energetic level. So it's no longer just an idea that one is interested in, but you really feel it. And the message is the longer you dwell in in that experience of being touched, stay in it. It begins, the chitta comes out of its congested state and it starts to become more luminous, radiant, soft, subtle. Mm. Now we're using this uh, bodily practices, standing, sitting, walking, these are always so foundational. Um, And the fact that the Buddha... (laughs) keeps referring his dhammas to the postures of the body is quite significant because the chitta is embodied and you can also practice opening the body so opening the body (laughs) is opening places like the palms of your hands the soles of your feet the back of your throat the temples of your forehead the eye sockets, areas that have the capacity to contract and cling and tighten up, 
and also to do the opposite. And when they uncontract, when they open, you feel the energy shifts, the tense state loosens, and the jitta is pleased by that. Mm. This is essential to this jhana process, sense of pleasure from energy, from you know, releasing the contracted energy of craving or aversion, dullness, restlessness. Release that. How you know it? Because you begin to get a sense of a mildly agreeable. And then you dwell upon it, it becomes really agreeable as it strengthens. I think why breathing was understood to be a a very helpful medium for that is because the natural, the breath opens the body up. You know, when you're breathing, you know, the body receives the signals of the breathing, it's muscles. It's involuntary muscles, the abdomen, the chest, they start to flex in order to breathe. And then the breath moves through you. It's an opening kind of experience. And it's, um, that's involuntary. And I think one of the problems of meditating is that we, we try to do breathing. We're too much trying to make it work try to be good at it, make sure you follow the instructions, and it tends to cramp the breathing, or create it as something that you get tense and intense about. The aim of it was to open, open the body, but open in a a safe way, because we are grounded. And the opening, as the breathing moves through the body, and particularly noticeable towards the ending of an inhalation, the ending of an exhalation, this is where you're most likely to feel this subtle radiant effect as the energy washes past the sensations. Sensations begin to fade out, the energy washes through. And the pause between the out-breath and the in-breath, or the in-breath and the out-breath, is a lovely place of openness. Becoming mind is so habituated to get to the next thing, we often skip the pause or wander off somewhere else in the pause because the becoming mind doesn't like openness. It feels nervous with it. And there's something to train oneself in letting, letting, letting yourself be empty for a second 10 seconds for half a minute. This is resting, resting from conditions in a mindful, alert way. And open. And now, what is the energy within that? Subtle? You tune into that and begin to sense that's occurring all the time, actually. It is the fundamental Ayu Sankara, life force energy. That as long as you're alive, that's there. 
when citta is for this life is tuned into that uh, its fundamental medium so with that there is a knowingness not knowing anything but just there is attentiveness and intelligence there in the open state you generate that or you tune into that more fully the open state becomes a kind of norm even when conditions start to you know gather around you can have an openness within that means you don't cling to conditions or get stuck by them Now, so let's take some time for direct practice. If you like to do walking meditation, sometimes just the sitting itself, you need some support by movement. If you do walking meditation, this is great. But do walk, you've got to get out of the becoming walk. The becoming walk is always walking to somewhere else. <laughs> That's the nature of becoming. It's always about going somewhere else uh, or making it better. Uh, so really, if you're walking, you're standing, and then learn how to just, you know, just turn your hips, turn the pelvis. As you turn the pelvis to the right, you can let the left leg turn the pelvis to the right, you let the left leg come up and be lightly moved forward. When the leg that's moving should feel empty, particularly the sole of the foot, open the foot. Often it's the feet that remain rather numb because we use feet like hoofs, put them inside shoes and plod around with them. Make a foot like a hand. So when you lift the leg, the foot is open and empty Toes are like fingers sweeping through that t- few moments of space and then sensing the ground, receiving the body, let the weight come over. And then you make that weight-bearing leg the strong leg and then lifting the other leg up from the hip so the thigh muscles are loose. Roll it forward, open the foot as if you're feeling your way down through the space to touch the ground. It doesn't have to be that slow, but there's a certain quality where the foot and the leg are sensitive, light and open to the space they move through, touching the ground, that second or so, a half second, feeling it and then descending, feel the weight being carried by the foot, when it's strong, the body gives the signal that the other leg can move. The body knows when that one leg is strong, okay, now I can lift the other leg. So you get that feeling the body's moderating, the body knows these energies too, and it knows, right, that's you know, that's really solid, now I can move. That's not solid, linger and strengthen that, and then moving through. And this rhythm of walking 
opens things up because you feel yourself moving through space. Yeah, the space around your chest is open all the time. The space around your face and throat is open all the time. Yeah. So you just sense that space you're moving through. And then the particular colour of the wallpaper or the trees or whatever you're walking past are just sort of there but not really invasive. They're not impacting you because you're attuned to the open quality. So let's take some time for practice, direct practice.